Welcome to NARAL's The Morning After. Each week, our podcast brings you the latest on reproductive health care, progressive politics, and the fight to keep abortion safe and legal. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, YouTube, and on our website at ProChoiceOhio.org. The program also airs each Friday morning at 9 on WGRN 94.1 in Columbus, Ohio. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at ProChoiceOH. NARAL's The Morning After is a production of NARAL ProChoice Ohio. Enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Gabe. Hey, I'm Sarah. And I'm Jamie. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you. Longtime uh, colleague, <laughs> first-time podcaster. Very for, excited for, to be here. For us. You and I have been on a podcast before, it just wasn't this one. Yeah, it was in like a dirty basement at the party. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I can't say this. This is a little nicer. Mm-hmm. A dirty, that, that should be the name of their, <laughs> their show. It would get more listeners, a dirty basement at the party. Um, uh. Got all sorts of grief for it, too. Yes. Which, I don't know if we want to. <laughs> Best left on so, uh, so you and I each come from the world of Planned Parenthood, but neither of us are there now. <laughs> yes. Um, you're with uh, Urge. What's Urge? What is Urge? Um, it is short for Unite for Reproductive and Gender Equity. Um, we're a dope youth-led reproductive justice organization uh, that's focused in Midwestern and Southern states, and we do... Um, really incredible work here in Ohio. So I joined the team about six months ago, um, and I am the second policy person that they hired in the states that we're doing work in. So I have the unique pleasure of following Jamie around and some of the other policy staff and you um, and going to the state house and uh, monitoring all the things and trying to cause, um, you know, a ruckus where we can. Right. Yeah. I mean, it it seems to be good work. And um I, I feel like the thing that I get uh, from the urge team over the past few years largely um, is more than any other group in the movement, a big push on making sure uh, that our our communications, our materials, our discussions um, aren't specifically gendered. Yeah. <clears throat> um, because, you know, they... They have been. They have been. They have been forever. Yeah. um, So that's that's a big like effort that Urge has been kind of leading in some repro spaces is culture shift and how do we be more inclusive um, and gender affirming and gender expansive when we talk about abortion access and uh, other issues that fall under the umbrella of reproductive justice. And so um, I know like the picture from my colleague Jordan, who's awesome. Maybe you've been on this podcast before. Yes, a couple times. um, And. Taylor, who's up in uh, Bowling Green, Toledo area, holding signs that said abortion isn't just a issue. And that's become like one of our main taglines and campaign efforts, um, both in like the work that we do with our canvassing, but also online. Um, and so, yeah, it's really kind of interesting seeing the faces of legislators really not understanding that still. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, there's just so much more work to be done to like shift the narrative away from that women-centric language that we for right. a movement have been using for mm-hmm. too long right and you guys you guys have kind of been the thought leaders on that thought leader being a really annoying uh mm-hmm. annoying buzzword buzzword um but it it's it's kind of spread and been uh an insightful set of guidance that i've seen you know even lauren blavelt uh with planned parenthood she was testifying in a senate committee not too long ago and kind of paused in the middle of questions and answers with the senators 
and did a little bit of educational, well, you know, you just asked me about women, but this isn't only women. You know, there are trans men who seek abortion care. There are people who are all across the gender spectrum. That sort of conversation wasn't happening a few years ago. And I think the urge team being very vocal about, you know, hey, we need to change, we need to do better. That's, that's shifted the discussion. Yeah. And it's an exciting discussion that I think is there's so much more work to be done about it. But like that work has been led by our members and our canvassers, our members are queer and trans people of color, black and brown folks that are continuing continuously even pushing us on our messaging, Mm -hmm. which in many ways is ahead of what you know, some repro groups have used in the past in Ohio, um, but hasn't been the case for other like southern states, especially the work we've been doing um, right. and, and in D.C. But um, yeah, we're constantly having that ongoing discussion of how can we be more um, reflective and inclusive of our folks and the language and messaging that we use. So um, I really tilt my hat off to them because they're holding me accountable at every mm-hmm. step of the way and ensuring that um, when we go have those meetings with legislators and we're sharing our testimony that that it's reflective of that. Right. Yeah. And I mean, we were just having a discussion yesterday in our staff meeting about uh, distributing a, a candidate's guide that came from several national organizations that we've worked with. This document's only like two years old. Mm-hmm. And it already reads as being pretty out of date, because it's just women's this women's that and there's no discussion in it at all of anybody but women. Yeah. So we got to do better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and uh, you are taking uh, kind of the lead um, uh, in in the, the advocacy day this year. So you want to talk about advocacy day? Yes. I have the unique pleasure of uh, <laughs> wrangling all of our partners and all of our people to host advocacy day. Sucker. Um, yes. I'm very excited. <laughs> regretting um, that yet. <laughs> <laughs> Talk to you when it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big um, responsibility. It is a huge responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. Um, it's gone pretty well mm-hmm. so far. You're doing awesome. Um, thank you. So <laughs> this year's event's going to be on April 1st. Not a joke. Mm-hmm. It's April Fool's Day, but we're going to go to the Capitol. <laughs> we're going to go talk about, um, yeah, the bills that we've been monitoring, the bills that we want, the bills that we need, um, and the issues that our folks care about. So it's Wednesday, April 1st. Um, we'll be at the Anthonyum, Anthonyum, I get it wrong every time, um, from nine to four, um, and all of our partners and our folks are welcome. So, um, the general message is going to be like, we're not fooling around, stop playing us as fools. Like the slew of bills that have come out of the state legislature, we know have been, um, based on misinformation and stigma and lies and shame and all the things. And, um, we're just, we're not tricked or fooled by it. And in fact, like there's some legislation that would do the opposite of that and require medical providers to provide evidence-based, accurate, comprehensive medical information, which is like 2020s. <laughs> Hard to believe that that's like not a thing that exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So right. um, how can we point to that bill and be like, this is the bill in legislation that should be getting hearings um, and uh, other bills that like point to the racial disparities that we've seen in the state um, as a result in many ways of the abortion bans and restrictions that have come out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited and pretty jazzed. Uh, we're moving along in the process of getting things out, but um, I'd love to have over a hundred people join us and share their stories and talk about why, um, why lobby day still matters, mm-hmm. even though like it's felt like we haven't gotten anything in a very long time. And why is that, you know? Um, so we're pretty excited. Right. 
Uh, so again, that's April 1st in Columbus. Uh, the registration link for podcast listeners is in the show notes. Um, for radio listeners, if you go to the NARAL Pro Choice Ohio Facebook page, look at the events tab. It's on ours. It's on the mm-hmm. Urge uh, Facebook page uh, events tab. So if you're listening to this, you can probably figure out where to find it. Um, there is a small fee associated just to cover the expense of renting the facility and the meals. It's 10 bucks, 10 bucks. Um, and if you're a student, if you're a low income individual, uh, shoot us a note. Um, we'll make sure that if you need some assistance, you can get some assistance. Um, uh, one thing I thought of is that there was a question in one of our planning sessions on parking. There's a giant parking garage. We need to make sure people know right beside the yes. Atheneum. So yes. Yes. Um, parking is uh, not free, but easy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's right there. So And the, the facility is ADA accessible um, and food, both breakfast and lunch will be provided. Uh, we'll release a lineup of speakers and have a press conference. So details are coming together um, and we'll release those as we have them. But um, yeah, we'd love to have you. If there's any sort of carpooling or travel needs for other like folks in the state, please let us know. We're happy to help right. figure that out to get you there. Uh, and speaking of bills, what's what's going on in uh, what's in committee? <laughs> Annoying shit. Oops, soup. There I did it. Bad <laughs> job. <laughs> bleep. Gabe had to bleep that out. Um, so, yeah, this week we had the second hearing on Senate Bill 260, the telemedicine for medication abortion ban. Um, it really, it was hilarious because it really did prove that they don't give a crap about actual safety of people at all i mean a higher rate of life was basically like at the beginning of their testimony well we don't even want this medication to be on the market but if it is on the market we should you know restrict it as much as possible um created equal came and testified with some very ridiculous stuff there was actually a doctor who testified but she, she didn't actually provide it so she doesn't really have any information about how any of that works They've done this a couple times where a doctor comes and testifies, but and you think, oh, well, they've got a medical professional. But then when you actually listen to their testimony or you know read through it, they don't do Mm-mm. any of the things that they're discussing at all. They don't have actual expertise in the area. Yeah. I thought it was kind of interesting when I looked at her and she was wearing a white coat and I was looking at her testimony. I was like, I don't know where you work. I don't know what field you're in. <laughs> Did mm-hmm they give you this coat in the hallway and ask you to testify? Like, I... I right. Yeah, I think the only thing she identified herself was a family medicine doctor. That was, like, the only identifier yeah. she had at all. So, yeah, I don't know where she practices to avoid her as your provider because, right. obviously, she's not providing comprehensive health care for people. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, it was... I think one of the <laughs> most interesting pieces of it all was... This idea that if you use telemedicine, the person's going to be so far away from the provider. Like, they don't think that people drive multiple hours to a clinic now. I mean, it's not like the clinic in Columbus only serves people within 20 miles of the clinic. People Mm -hmm. drive multiple hours. People come up from Kentucky because Kentucky only has one clinic. West Virginia only has one clinic. Indiana is pretty restricted as well. Like people come from out of state into Ohio to our clinics all the time. So like this whole idea that if you use telemedicine, they're going to be further away. Actually, they're going to be closer because it's not like you can do a web chat, you know, (laughs) from your couch to get this medication. Like they still have to go to a medical facility 
they're just the doctor is in a different building mm-hmm. of a medical facility further away. So like there's still right. nurses and medical staff and probably um, nurse um, practitioners and those kinds of things in the clinic that that person is in. The doctor is just someplace else. Right. So like if you do telemedicine, this person is actually probably closer now mm-hmm. to a medical facility than they would be if they were just driving all the way to Columbus and then driving all the way home again. Right. Um, so yeah, all of the facts and logic just get shot straight out the window. I mean, they used FDA statistics of like reports of adverse events and they only reported the like how many reports had been reported. They didn't actually say out of how many. So like when you just right. give a number of 4,200 adverse events without the out of 3.7 million doses of the drug over 20 years, those sentences are very different. So medication abortion is exceptionally safe. Yes. I mean, if you do that math, it's one tenth of 1% of an adverse event happening. Right. Which could just be some extra bleeding. Yes. And the sources that they had like were from 2000, Mm -hmm. like 2003, Mm-hmm. In 2005. It's yeah. like, why? Mm-hmm. It's t- 2005. And that was actually a completely different protocol yeah. back then, too. Yeah. I mean, the FDA approved medication abortion as three pills of mifepristone and one misoprostol later on. Like, so now the protocol is one and one. Right. And a lot of that excess bleeding and those kinds of things was caused by triple the dose of mifepristone at the beginning. So like the new protocol that was approved, I think in 2016 actually makes the medication even safer and more effective. Cause I mean, that was the protocol that was being used everywhere, but Ohio, cause Ohio has the stupid law and following the FDA protocol perfectly. So yeah. Yeah. We, so interesting fact, we've expanded some of our staff um, into California. So um, if folks aren't familiar with Just Care, it was a student-led group um, in California that helped lead the way to get uh, medication abortion available on campuses. Um, and so now they're actually working with URGE, which is so interesting. Um, and so they have, it was a youth-led, student-led campaign to get medication abortion available on campuses. So I was talking with my those folks um, and was just like, hey, this band's coming to Ohio. Like, I'd love to kind of pick your brain around like what this campaign looked like for you in California, which was vastly different than (laughs) anything anything that's happening here. But I mean, like, I think it just goes towards like the potential of um, both having the technology of telemedicine and the efficacy and safety of medication abortion, like what that could mean for young people and also folks that are in like whatever area in the state Mm -hmm. to access the care that they need. Um, so yeah, it's just, it was a painful committee hearing. I left and I reached out to her, like they're like three California folks. And I was like, hi, please <laughs> restore my faith in yeah, humanity. Yes. I was like, please <laughs> tell me how sunny it is over in California and what this campaign looked like to you. <laughs> so, um, not completely related, but I, I think, you know, a win as far as widening access to medication, abortion and, and like, college campuses like how awesome would that be to have in ohio right (laughs) well and how much more access there would be in ohio and thus solving ohio right to life's concern about people being too far away from a medical provider you know it's really hilarious i mean the best way to ensure that that's happening is clinics all over the place so let's make that happen but not in ohio because department of health sucks 
Well, it, Jamie and I were discussing in the car a little bit ago how if you're going to look at patient safety, telemedicine keeps people from traveling on highways, which, you know. It's dangerous. <laughs> by comparison, is significantly more dangerous. (laughs) Right. Yeah, somebody being able to stay in their hometown and not get on the freeway to drive to Columbus or Cleveland or Toledo to get access to their health care is actually way safer. (laughs) Right. We actually cared about patient safety, which is not what we care about. Right. And and this bill, looking at the rest of the current uh, set of abortion restrictions currently pending, is just the latest bill based entirely on misinformation and lies. Um, you know, including uh, bills to promote um, funding for uh, crisis pregnancy centers, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, all, all of these abortion bans, um, Peggy Laner's, uh, you know, Fake craziness. reversal bill. Yeah, yeah, you know, not actually based in medical science. Not actually a thing. Not a thing. <laughs> um, but more legislation to uh, to push bogus ideas. Yeah. Um, you know, and in in a time where if you're really paying attention to the state house, the different heads of the Republican caucuses are having debates over you know some some fairly serious things, education funding primarily amongst them. Yeah, you guys could be putting more attention onto that instead of pushing bills that are just mm-hmm. stuff that's made up. Well, yeah, I mean, you look at it; they missed the constitutional deadline for the transportation budget. They missed the constitutional deadline for the state operating mm-hmm. budget last year, and then they realized that they completely and totally screwed up the school voucher, school funding thing, and had a deadline. I think of, was it like the end of January, February first, or something like that, to fix that problem, and they couldn't get their act together and do that. Like the only thing it seems that they can get their act together to do in the Ohio State House is to ban and limit access to abortion care, mm-hmm. right? It seems to be the only thing they can agree on. Right. Or other crazy idea that they had. And Sarah, you testified. (laughs) Oh my God, Uh, such a waste of time. Let's condemn porn. Yeah. What do you think about porn, Sarah? (laughs) Wow. I have so many thoughts on porn. Um, Yeah. So I had yet again the unique (laughs) opportunity to go to the state house. That's just what I start with. I'm like, I'm just so lucky and honored to go able to. Like to be able to go to the state house and the people's and, house, yeah, to, and, and talk about these things. So yeah, uh, House Resolution One Eighty, uh, they amended it um, to it was first to declare porn as a public health hazard, um, and they amended they amended it to be um, in fact a a public health crisis, declaring pornography a public health crisis. Um, bum, but, bum, bum. Right, like so scary, so awful. Um, so yeah, it was interesting. We had been monitoring it, um, and working with the caucus staff to see like, where was it going to go? Is it going to move? Um, would it be helpful for us to come and testify? Um, and they were like, absolutely. Like we need you to Mm -hmm. come because a lot of folks, unfortunately have been like shied away from this topic because of how taboo and stigmatized like pleasure and sex and pornography has become in society. But we want to talk about abortion and people's bodies Mm -hmm. in a whole other way. Um, so yeah, we went ahead and testified. It was, uh, rough. I'll say, um, I was grilled for probably 20 minutes. Um, I think the whole highlight of the entire committee, um, hearing was, uh, Candace Keller asking me how to watch porn. (laughs) Um, it was, yeah, it was just like, it literally just, I, I think I blacked out. Like I, like I, my face, when I watched the video again, I like took, I had to take a day. I was like, I had to take a day before I went and watched it again. And I, I think I actually blacked out. Um, and so I, I was a quoted in one article and it said, 
Well, that's up for you to decide, Peggy. Or, or not Peggy, um, Candace. I'm sorry. There's so many. Right. Um, okay. And yeah, so I think that was just the, the whole point um, and that they really believe that um, pornography is a um, vehicle or gateway into violent um violent behavior resulting in things like human trafficking, um, sex trafficking, and um, other health crises, quote. Um, and what the research has shown and what public health experts have like repeatedly said is that um, that is in fact not the case and that like if we're going to look at the macro issue here like that's really not the root like this this is not the root of the problem right like right. naming porn as a health crisis isn't going to solve the problem of toxic masculinity violence (laughs) or misogyny and how it's being consumed online and in the porn industry i mean that is the public health emergency right there toxic masculinity (laughs) misogyny sexual assault like that is the public health i mean blank stares i don't even know if they know those words but that's you know they're walking around the the larger issue and trying to say that porn isn't um all bad all porn is bad and um nobody watches it nobody right it's like violent sexual offenders right exactly um and so the republican arguments right and so you know we came in to say like one this is not this is not a way to approach the root of the issue right and two like perhaps if we focused our time on things like comprehensive sex ed um, and arming our young folks and people with like early education about what healthy relationships look Mm -hmm. like and how to explore your sexuality and pleasure and bodily autonomy and consent like basic fundamental like things that we know that the state legislature is actively defunded and actively work to prevent from <laughs> happening in our schools. But that's not the problem, right? Like, right. we know that at alarming rates, like young folks are turning to the internet for their information because they're dissatisfied from what they're learning in schools right. and or they're not getting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just not meeting the needs, right? And so it was interesting. I, they um, seem to think that... Uh, this resolution will stop people from watching porn, which we know is not the case. Right. And even if we stop people from watching porn, we're not going to solve all the toxic masculinity and all those other things that right. are actually the problems here. Right. right. And, and, it, and it was also just kind of fun, right? Like going in there and saying like, we're pro pleasure. Like, Everybody is entitled to feel good. Like that is that should be that is a fundamental human right in my opinion. Like yes. you should feel good whether it be means of your own pleasure or getting your pleasure from another relationship of somebody else. Like right. but the state house just doesn't see no. that. No. Um, Actually, one of the the tie back to our first topic of the day, Advocacy Day, our very first lobby day, we had some very traumatized um, citizen lobbyists because they went and they talked to, oh my God, her name is escaping me. She had like troll hair, Linda Reidelbach, former state rep from long, long, long time ago. And they came back to wherever the event venue was and just had this like deer in the headlight shocked look. And we're like, how did it go? Mm. And they're like, so she said that she believed in sex for procreation purposes only, even within a marriage. Like, even in your marriage, you were only allowed to have sex when you wanted to have a kid. Like, birth control was bad even in marriages. And, like, and we looked her up, and she only has two kids. And, <laughs> like, they were just, like, they couldn't believe that that was the topic of conversation in this this lobbying visit with a legislator. And right. that, uh, yes, the state legislature is 100%. Well, 
Well, it's it's just like anti pleasure. Yeah, and it just got, like, are we just incubators? Mm-hmm. Is that all we are for yeah. you? Like, we can't have anything mm-hmm. except back to the nursery, woman. <laughs> Yes, like, barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen. Uh, um, and and somebody sent me a link. Uh, you mentioned Representative Candace Keller. Apparently, uh, also this week she was in the House Federalism Committee where they were discussing mm-hmm. guns, and so she was saying that she's uh, annoyed that if she gets pulled over, she has to dis- disclose that she has a firearm in the car because shouldn't she have a constitutional right to privacy? Wow. Oh, so she has a constitutional right to privacy there, but right. yeah, no. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's totally just legislators talking out of uh, both sides of the mouth. Mm-hmm. So We'll try to find it, too, and put it in the show notes for folks. Ann Fisher actually did an amazing one-hour program on yeah. this resolution where she talked to Jenna Powell, the um, woman who is the sponsor of the resolution and also the sponsor of the CPC tax credit mm-hmm. kickback to Candace Keller bill that we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, she talked to a public health expert to actually define what a public health crisis is and mm-hmm. gun violence and police violence are actually two declared public health crises by public health experts, mm-hmm. not porn. And then actually a porn director, a female porn director from California. So it was a yeah. really good show talking about it too. So we'll try to link to that in the show notes yeah. so folks can listen. Right. Uh, and then we got events coming up. Um, it is uh, just about time for the uh, Women Have Options Bolathon. Yay! And um, preterm, preterm does. One and, too. And, pre-term. and also the Aggie Fund. Okay, so all the Bolathon, all bolathon the Bolathon season. In there, there are events that lead up to those, though. So, Women Have Options is hosting their annual kickoff party. February 25th, uh, it's a Tuesday at 6 p.m. at Pins mm-hmm. um, in uh, downtown Columbus. Uh, so if folks want to come play pinball with me, uh, can go duck, duck uh, bowling, duck bowling, duck pin bowling, whatever uh, it is. And, and learn about starting a team to fund, uh, directly fund abortion care. Fund all the abortions. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you, you can come to the kickoff party. Yes. Um, so that same day, February 25th, up in Toledo, is the uh, Repro Health Happy Hour, yes. um, which this month benefits us, benefits mm-hmm. NARAL Pro-Choice Ohio, um, and we made a decision that the proceeds that we receive will actually go back to paying for uh, Abortion Provider Appreciation Day yes. thank you gifts. Things. Yes. So donations Yay. to that event in Toledo um, will... Help us support clinic staff across the state. Well, primarily in Toledo, but... Right. Yep. Uh, so that's uh, Tuesday, the 25th, uh, 7.30 at the basement in Toledo. Um, and then uh, on the 26th uh, is the next hearing for the telemedicine abortion ban. Mm-hmm. Fun times. <laughs> at least we think so. We don't have yeah. the actual calendar out yet. Ohio Red Life gets a full week in advance to know that they're having it, but we only get two days. Right. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Uh, February 29th uh, in Cleveland at Deep Roots Heart Experience is the RJ Wind Down, uh, mm-hmm. which is an event that we co-sponsor along with New Voices for Reproductive Justice. Yeah, Ashley on our team is doing a fabulous job with that. Right. Uh, March 6th is the 8th Annual uh, Women Have Options Solidarity Clothing Swap. Uh, that's uh, March 6th and 7th uh, at St. John's Church in Columbus. Have you ever done the the clothing spot? I've done it, I think, just about every year since I've moved to Columbus. It's awesome. Um, It's 
just a huge space filled with amazing clothes and people everywhere folding, organizing, folks coming in, donating, purchasing their snacks, of course. Always. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a, is it a two-day event or? Yes. Yeah. So two days, you can come, you bring a bag, you take bag, you either bring stuff or you leave with stuff um, right. and all the proceeds go to um, the abortion fund. And it's great. It's a great way to clean out your closet if you're like in transition of the weather maybe allowing us to break out some <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> some uh, shorter weather clothes or you just want to get rid of stuff that you've been holding on to. I know I have been. I had like three garbage bags after moving of stuff that I've been like hoarding to get rid of at the, the lobby or not the lobby day at the um, all I've been talking about is lobby day. Clothing um, swap. Clothing swap. Um, maybe I'll get an outfit for lobby day at there the clothing swap. <laughs> that would <Nice>. be fabulous. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's awesome. Everybody should go. It's a great time. If um, There's volunteer options as well. Cool. Uh, March 20th for those in Athens is uh, an Athens repro health happy hour, um, at Jackie O's, um, fabulous at, people. Yes. Great beer. Yeah. March 21st, uh, is a through the decades abortion provider appreciation prom. Yes. Um, That's a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, March 21st, it's a Saturday, uh, at Mr. Zub's deli in Akron. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what that venue is. No. Other than a deli. So <laughs> sounds like there'll be sandwiches. <laughs> apparently, but I mean <laughs> it's a it's a prom. Mm-hmm. So if you want to go and uh put on a, a ball gown and a tux and um have at it. Have at it. Uh <laughs> and so it's a it's an abortion provider appreciation event. Yes. So uh, and then the last one here uh, is April 1st. Again, Freedom of Choice Ohio's Advocacy Day. Join us. Be there. We're probably planning the happy hour the same day. That sounds um, like a fabulous idea. Yeah. I think we're all going to need mm-hmm. beverages, beverages of sorts <laughs> after that day. So details to come. We're trying to lock down the, the location. But if you can't join us for the actual day, hopefully you can join us for the um, happy hour afterwards. Cool. Cool. Okay. Well, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Wow. I can't yeah. believe it's been this long since I've like actually been on this podcast. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. Thank you. See everybody next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.